What are you doing? What's going on? Um, chilling, man. Waiting for this podcast to start so you and I can chop it up. Eric Angel, bro, we're a little bit of an intro here. Say hello. We'll hello. keep it very loose. Uh-huh. Hello. Good time. <laughs> we're having good time. If you're saying so. What's up, dude? Eric Angel. Well, I'm the a- legend of New York comedy. <laughs> bro, a lot of diversity shows. Actually, uh, you're a big it, diversity to guy. Put it on my ear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Those here. I'll keep it. Uh, it's, uh, people have t- a tough time with it. No worries. There we go. Thank you. You. <laughs> you don't have one. Why? No, I'm going to put mine on. I was preparing yours. Oh, dude, ah. that's like the opposite on the plane. You know, you're supposed to put your mask on before you help. That's true. I'm dead. I'm dead. I have no <laughs> more oxygen. Why are you supposed to do it to yourself? It's a. Like if you have a kid, you think you're gonna do it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you have a if you have a kid, I think you got to do it yourself first, so then you can have enough oxygen to help, to help them. Him. If there is any like if there's any struggle, yeah. you need the extra air. That's true. You know what I mean? You need that little bit of extra two seconds of air to help them if there's a struggle. I love you. So I guess it makes sense. I love it. Um, you know, not really a big pilot guy, but bro, you are. You're not from here. You're from like Long Island or somewhere with your accent. <laughs> no, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so a little bit foreign. Talk about yeah. your uh, growing up outside the country and then coming to the United States. When did you come here? I came here almost six years ago. And I born and raised in Israel. Let's go. And never thought I'm going to be in a different place. I never thought I'm going to live here doing <sighs> comedy in my second language. But life is a surprise. When did, <laughs> when did you decide you wanted to do comedy? Uh, I basically did uh, music was all my life for many, many years. I was a singer-songwriter, released a few albums in Israel, in Hebrew, performing wherever I could. During the years, uh, you know, like uh, people told me, you're a funny guy, you need to do comedy. Uh, but I was never thinking about it. I did some jokes between songs sometimes. Were you writing the songs? Yeah. Okay. Were the songs ever funny or they were just very meaningful? I have also, I have a genre of few funny, but most of them was very serious. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, too serious. Like, Adonai. Exactly. Thanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well, it was a good transition. Good move. Are you enjoying uh, the city since you've been here? When did you move here? I moved here almost six years ago. Uh, you just said that. My bad. Yeah. No, no, no. All good. All good. I'm enjoying the city. Uh you know, I basically started to do comedy only when I moved here. So this is amazing, like things that happened to me the last few years. It's the best place in the world to become a pro. Like nobody can stop. If you're not lazy, nobody can stop you here. Interesting. Because, you know, yeah. I've talked to comics about how they feel, you know, compared to L.A., Chicago. Yeah. And I, you're right. If you're in New York and you're not lazy, you can do as many sets as you want in a night crazily enough you know yeah even if people not booking you in shows so you're gonna do mics there is mics in the f- five boroughs from noon until late at night they close you the door you can go through the window they close the window you can go <laughs> under the really you just you cannot be lazy in this business if you want to do it because it's so hard to build your craft and to you know but it's much more than to be funny this is the sad part of the event that it's not only to be fun, it's how to be fun, it's how to build bits, minutes, an hour, but it's much more than that today. You know, you have the social media and you have this term in comedy that everybody telling you that you need to hang, 
you need to go to places just to sit there like a dummy and get to know to know people to be friendly and to get connections and then suddenly you're here and there and it's helping you you and you are in my situation that I'm also uh, you know I'm new here I'm also a journalist I'm, I'm I also have a small production company for comedy that I'm traveling all around America and I'm building my craft and I'm married I want I don't want my wife to leave me so it, it leaves you a lot really small time of in the day to go and just hang there what was your first impression when you moved here how different was it you moved here from Israel yeah I moved here from Israel the first thing I felt here and uh, it's the opportunities that I you, you at least have hope you know you can have hope to nothing is easy here I'm already a few years here I know how tough it is. The city also changed uh, after the... the, the well, COVID. do you mean hope, though, for entertainment-type purposes? Listen, it's a market of 350 million people, first of all. So you have hope. You can sell... You know, you don't need all of them to like you. Right. If you have, like, even 100,000 uh, followers that in into you, you can, I don't know, maybe not become the most famous But you can rich. tour, for sure. You, you can, can tour, tour book, yeah. You can make a living... You can flow, you know, it's so, this is what I felt from the beginning, that you have, even in what I'm doing, I'm working with many Jewish organizations with my projects. Until today, six years, every meeting I have, I'm, 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 somebody's telling me about a new organization that I never heard about, that it's a chain with, you know, every state or, or like have 30 offices all around America. Yeah, and it's a, Israel, I think, is the same size as New Jersey, they say, yeah, right? Yeah, something like what that. What was it like growing up in Israel for people that may not understand what it would be like to grow up in the Middle East, right? Yeah, this is also, I just thought about on my way here that this is something that I start to discover about myself since I arrived here, that I'm not only Israeli, I'm not only Jewish, I am a Middle Eastern. Yeah, people never talk about that really. When, it's when really talk yeah, about Israel. Yeah, I'm Middle Eastern, and it's you know I look very European, but I'm totally. If you can see my hands moving here, it's I'm very Middle Eastern. I can tell you now. I've been in Qatar in the World Cup games, and I ate hummus. Or as you say, oh, you went to Qatar. Yeah, let's go. Or how you call it? Yeah, what I call hummus. 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 Is that how? Hummus. Yeah. Hummus. Hummus. So I ate there and I I asked a spice for my hummus. <laughs> my and hummus? They offered me Tabasco. Yo. Oh my. That's as, disrespectful. Come on. As a Middle Eastern, I was insulted. I know judges, judges in the Middle East, they will send someone to jail for a year. For sure. You're not, get, you're not coming home with 10 fingers. I tell you that. They're cutting off at least two. Tabasco for hummus? That's wild. So this is something I... So what... what you know, what, what is how to grow up there? It's, you know, through the eyes of my wife, this is the reason that I moved here, that I met Julia. By the way, I met Julia in the Shabbat dinner in JCC, the Jewish Community Center in Krakow in Poland. This is wow. how my life changed because I went to Poland to do what any other Jew will do there, uh, to watch a concert of the Foo Fighters. <laughs> so that changed my life forever, the okay. Foo Fighters. So... Wait, you went, but where were you before? Like, I lived in Israel. And, and you went from Israel to Poland? And my friend, I don't really know the Foo Fighters between yeah. us. Don't tell no one. Yeah, I won't. But I have a friend that, that, <laughs> that was his dream. <laughs> to see the Foo Fighters? Since he was a teenager. Dude, that's a weird dream. And They're it, that good? It was good. You know, it was like <laughs> the, when I saw that, I don't know most of the songs, but it was like the best high school band I ever saw in my okay. life. Okay, fair you enough. know, with all the breaks and the rock and roll and the, yeah, yeah, I exactly. Mean, I mean. So it, it was nice, but 
you know, he was much older when he did it, but he, when he was a teenager, they were big in Israel also, and he wanted to see it. He said, it's a very close, very nice, uh, uh, cheap flight, cheap ticket. Did you want to come with me for a long weekend there? I said, okay. This is how I arrived there. But uh, what we spoke before, thanks to my wife's uh, eyes, basically, I understood that what I was considering living as a normal thing, way to live, basically wasn't that normal, you know, because... Me- Mostly, most likely every year, second year in the summer, I was running to shelters, few times saw missiles in the air, for example, okay? This is not exactly a, a normal, uh, since I'm 15 years old, then f- uh, Bush, the, f- uh, the father... Uh, George was senior. Yeah, senior? Yeah. Uh, this is how you call it, the se- senior. Okay, yeah, so senior. there's a senior and then the junior is got the it, one who it. came in with the Iraq war. Yeah, so the Iraq war the, with the senior... He went to Iraq and Saddam Hussein just started to throw missiles on us. We didn't do nothing, but he just wanted to uh, do some kind of revenge. So since I was 15 years old, this is part of my reality. You know, that once in a year, two years, three years, there are missiles on my hometown or in Tel Aviv. There are people that live near the border that happens to them much, much often. Like near the Gaza Strip? Near the Gaza Strip, exactly. They're in the villages, so... Things like that, for example, it made all the country, all of us are a little bit post-traumatic. I, I'm not in the, no, I've never been in a war. I, I wasn't even in, a, in the army in Israel. That it is something that usually men are going when they're 18 for three years. And, but, uh, so it's very different. It's just a very different way of living. But uh, growing up and until you were 15 years old, what, yeah. what did your life look like? Was it pretty quiet? I mean, since... Um, what was it, 1969? 70... <laughs> no, no, I'm not that No, old. no, I'm talking about that when Israel became... Um, what a, was ca- it? a country? 48. 48, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was born at 75 after a few... So from the age of like when you were born to when you were 15 and you started having to seriously going to bomb shelters, like yes. what, how, was, how was your life? Okay, I, I didn't know much. I, I, I born and raised in a very... Uh, boring uh, suburban city the only maybe exciting thing that i had in my life that my father was was it close sorry was close to tel aviv or jerusalem it's also uh, closer to tel aviv okay what were you saying about your father yeah my father uh at first he worked uh he did few things but when i uh, was like three four years he he opened a, a cassette factory Tape cassette factory. <laughs> so that that was uh, that was uh, exciting to, and this is where I also exposed myself to Arab music and Greek music and oh, things that wow. I, I comedy too or no? No. Okay. Ah, a little bit. You know what? We had a group called Gashasha Chiver. There were a trio. Gashasha Chiver. Gashasha Chiver. Exactly. And That's they used good, to do. Dude. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> At least. <laughs> I, I love, had to say it. I love how you flattering yourself. This is very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they used to do uh, <coughs> sketches, and they were very, very famous. They re- really created like a new language for themselves from the Hebrew, and I fall in love with comedy, sk- sketch comedy, uh, thanks to them. Was and it I, like slang type? Yes and no. They really there are things that you can still listen to them today, and it's really still about things that happening in Israel. So it was very also social. Uh, comedy and uh it was very funny so this is how thanks to the cassette i also learned about those guys but uh, in addition to that he also worked here you know he he came for he did a sound for movies in the 60s in israel 
his assignment. And in one point, he started, he had a Russian uh, business partner, and he did, he dubbed movies to Russian, and he showed them to Russians that came from the, from the USSR uh, in the late 70s, because they didn't have like today, we didn't have internet, we didn't have uh, channels, and it was so successful, so he, ar- he used to come here three months at a time in the 80s to do it here. He, sh- he was screening movies in New York to Russians in dubbed movies. I never understand that, because why they don't want to learn English and just to watch the movie in English or in subtitles? But to, that was a thing, so this is... Uh, was. So I used to go with him Friday nights, you know, to the cinema, and I sold tickets. I was like a cinema paradiso kid a little bit. And, uh, so you didn't observe Shabbat? No, no, never. Did a lot of um, Israelis observe Shabbat, like a lot of your friends growing up or family friends? I didn't. I, you know, we did like what we call Kiddush in, in Friday evening, that you have the blessing for the Shabbat with my, my grandparent, that he, he kept the Shabbat and he went to synagogue. But in my life and my friends around me, we didn't do it. We were totally secular. Was there a specific time that you saw living in Israel where maybe the world wasn't so fond of Israelis anymore? Was it like when you turned 15 and you saw you needed to go to the bomb shelter? Was that like the hit? <laughs> you know, it's just something, I, it's interesting to understand, try to understand when the first time I understood that so many people hating us. I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but in Qatar now, I just, we, you know, it wasn't a surprise for me, but Qatar, first of all, it's a place, you know, it's the first time ever that they let Israelis inside even. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Even with yeah. like an Israeli passport, some places in the world, you can't even no go. No way. Right? Even there are places like Algeria, or Algier, how you call it? Say it in it's English. Algeria, yeah. Algeria. Even when I have an American passport, because it's written, the I was Jewish born stamp. in... Jewish Not Jewish, because I was born in Israel, I won't be able to go inside. So, so if considering I went, to, I went to Israel with my family when I was like 15 years old, did like a full tour. Then I went uh, on birthright yeah. when I was 22. You think I would potentially have issues going to other countries because I have an Israel stamp on my American passport? Uh, Not to get so political, but I, <laughs> I, I have heard that, it, I mean, in some places yes. it would be an issue because yeah. I've been to Israel. And especially yeah. if, it, if like I've been on birthright. Probably, you know. Yeah, no, but now, uh, you know, it's a little bit late to tell you, but you could have asked them not to stamp you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can you guys Let's just go leave like, this one out? No, no I'm it's proud happening. of it. I'm proud of it. They know about those things, so they just wo- will respect it and won't spe- stamp it. So, you know, maybe we'll go to Algeria, you will have some problems. But most of the world, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah, so people, you know, there I... I basically didn't have any problem, but then the Israeli media started to do some provocation with the people in Qatar from other countries in the World Cup. And then everybody was so surprised. Wow, the Alge- people from Algeria hate us, from Tunisia, from Morocco, the Qatarians. People will kill us, you know, will tear me apart just because where I'm from. And it's, that, it's not only they hate us there, they have the narrative that it's so primitive that say, Israel does not even exist. They love to tell you that. Okay, so, you know, where are we going to go from, from there? How was your experience over there? Was the World Cup fun? I really loved it. Yeah. How long were you there for? 12 days. Did you travel a lot just being from Israel since, like you said, uh, flights were not so expensive? Did you go to a bunch of countries? Or have you been to a bunch of countries? I've been in many countries during my life, but the, the sad part that I, you know, in my area, there are many places I cannot go, like... Uh, 
So now it's after the Ibrahim Accords. So now it's a little bit different. So what's that? What's that? Ibrahim Accords. It's a. It's a, maybe the best thing that happened during Trump uh, presidential. And how do you say that? And is that um, in Hebrew? Hebrew? Yeah. What does that mean in English? This is how they call it in English: Ibrahim Accords. <coughs> it's like Ibrahim agreements. It's like between Israel and uh, Dubai, Bahrain, okay. Morocco, and it's a peace agreement. Gerald Kushner, I think, cooked these tickets, but it's a peace agreement that based on business. You know, and they understood why you have to fight us. They can, you can buy us. Yeah, I mean, it's Israel, Israel is like a leader in a lot of tech shit. You know, we're doing quite well over there, man. Absolutely. And like plant-based meat. I don't know what kind of stuff you're eating here in um, uh, New York. Are you fully vegan? No. Okay, you just put on fresh vegan shows. That's how we. Uh, that's how we first linked. Hey, Eric yeah. put me on a vegan show. It was, it was lit. The whole lineup was vegan. <laughs> the place was vegan. It was very nice. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good touch. By the way, I I started this. You know, for the place that you came to perform the first time. Yeah. I used to do every week a different theme because I really? believe in theme comedy shows. Let's go. What you do? I see you're doing like what like Asian black. Jewish, I did uh, uh, one night with ginger comedians. Oh, that's hilarious. That dude. was a total bomb. Nobody showed up. <laughs> uh, comedians that are lawyers. Uh, we gotta do a ladies' night with Harry Angel. I did few ladies' there nights. There you go. I performed. I, perform, I was everything. Of course, dude. You're the guy. Of course. Yeah. So I. We what, did, so what kind of stuff are you eating here? Talking about the vegans. Where in America? Yeah. It was really hard for me. I think the food was the hardest thing for me in the beginning. Really? Yeah. Well, it wasn't like you weren't matching up meats. Go ahead. Sorry. No, because it's uh, now I learned because in the bottom, in the bottom line, there is everything you can find in, in New York. You just have to look for it. Mm-hmm. I had the Middle Eastern cravings, and I still have uh, the food in Israel is the best thing that we have there. Falafel, seriously. The falafel, the hummus, the, the everything is fresh, and also now I even understand it more after Qatar and when I told you. There are people there from 156 different countries all over the world. So this mixture of culture provide us also amazing food, but also the, the combination start to be between them. The vintage, not the vintage, how you say the when you combine, it's not vintage, this is not the word. I forgot the, the, the word, but you know that you mix yourself. Now I'm looking on the plate when I'm eating my Israeli food and I say, oh man, this is from Yemen. This is Arab. This is Iraqian. This is, and for me, just one plate that I'm used to eat. But so for in the beginning, it was hard for me because American food, bottom line, it's a dead food. It's a dead nation food here. I'm for six years, I'm trying, even sometimes I'm hungry, just trying to build a decent sandwich in a deli here. Just a little bit. I never succeeded. <laughs> to, you know, just, we, we taste, you know, some salt or something. Maybe. What? Do you have like turkey or no? What turkey? Yeah, see, like guys, this is a typical American sandwich. He doesn't even know what the shit. Ah, I'm talking no, no, about. I know turkey. I know what is turkey. Yeah, yeah, but no, you know, even I don't know. With uh, I don't know. Never mind. But of course, there is so much good food here because yeah. of the ethnic food and the. You have like a lot of options here, though. Like yeah. eventually, you start to find places that will exactly. have a good falafel. Like Kava, for the most part, they do have um pretty fresh falafel. Have you ever heard of kava? Yeah. C-A-V-A. Yeah. They usually have fresh falafel. But it's yeah. hard to find because it's usually pretty dry. Exactly. You know what I mean? So how was uh, Qatar, though? Because there was a lot of talk about uh, how quickly all the people who were working on the event had to put it together. Did it look super nice? How was the accommodations? What did it kind of, what was the atmosphere like for the World Cup? 
First of all, I don't know how much uh, the people that are watching us, uh, or you know, Qatar is a place with 300,000 citizens and 2.5 uh, uh, million foreign workers slash slaves that are working for them. It's a very strange place. You almost don't see the locals there. Like when my, where my hotel was, you don't see a local. It was like India too. And it was great. Sweet people, great food. Uh, so, uh, so the accommodation for me was great. Listen, I'm privileged. I came there as a journalist with money. I had a hotel. I had the official FIFA card. I saw 12 games. I had all the facilities wow, of the... That's dope. Yeah, all the facilities of, of journalists. But uh, Qatar, it's a bad place for too many people. They're like, like really, they treat the, the, the foreigners they're like slaves. Even in the subway, you can, it was written when I was there that the usual arrangement is suspended. But the, the regular days, if you are a foreigner there that uh, came from, I don't know, from Sri Lanka to work, you cannot sit with the locals in the same car. There is like fancy car. Even in the subway? Yeah, you, you're not allowed. There is like a fancy car, like golden fancy cars. And there is the cars for families and cars for the, these workers. So you see this and you understand with all the stories that there's thousands of foreigners that came and died there during building the stadiums. And the people just come there for the work? Because there's so much work yeah. to be had and they'll get paid more than they will in their home country. They think so, but many times they are not even getting paid. And, they, you know, it's like during the summer there it's 120, 130 oh degrees yeah. and people just fall and died during building the stadiums there. And nobody's taking responsibility. Nobody cares about those people. And then you do like a World Cup, every other World coming, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, nobody cares, everybody's sponsorship. So, of course, I had fun. For me, it was fun. But in the big picture, it's not a place I want to go back to. There is a lot of money there. They have, they're buying everyone and everything. Even I understood that many American filmmakers going there because they're just giving a lot of money. And money buys... To make Qatar look good? Yes, of course. To like, uh, you know, there's so much money. that They, they have natural ga gas and... They just, you know, buying whoever they want. How much were some of those boxes? You know the box in like the stadium where they yes. would have like 12 people? Yeah. How much would one of those be for like a regular first round game? I think remember? like uh, five or $6,000, something like that. I'm sure that you have, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not, when I say it, it doesn't seem to me so much. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it might be yeah. like 50. Yeah, maybe it was more. Because, you know, because it's like 12 people potentially with like the yeah. food and no, all that shit. No, I think shit. what I heard about the five, six, that if you want an extra, if you want to, and it's, you cannot drink alcohol. Oh my God. But yeah, if you right. add, this, this is the number I had, five or six thousand dollars, you can add alcohol to this private uh, box because money buys everything. That's so weird. You could have beer there only in a specific uh, bar, uh, hotels, in a bar. If you're a foreigner, that you can sh when you show your passport, you're going to be local. But people told me that there is underground, uh, you know, like water and, and all kind of apartments that you can go and drink there, you know, because they have everything. Are you allowed to share a hotel room with your boyfriend or girlfriend if you're not married? Very good question. Uh, basically, they... Uh, You cannot be openly gay there. You cannot. Yeah, you 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 heard my my. I, I don't know if you heard my set in your show I did a few <laughs> yeah. days ago. I had a thing there. I came a few days before because to write articles and to give some, bring some color about the place. And I few times I went and I've been airdropped. Men send me Instagram profile pictures of them, 
I think people were interested in me. And they, I said, I was standing like in a bus and standing, somebody's, it didn't happen to me many times in my life. But why, but why in a country where gays are so looked down upon, why would it happen there? I don't know. Maybe this is the way. That's the way to do it. Maybe the way they communicate. And so, you know, some tall white guy, it's different from them. I was, uh, (laughs) my ass look attractive. I don't know. So my joke here that I'm telling now in the comedy, that was amazed because it's a, they can be killed for that. The people were, you know, took the risk that they could die for me just to be with me. It's pretty big. Look at that. There you Uh, go. There you go, bro. (laughs) So it's minimum. If you get there, it's minimum seven years in, in jail. If they caught you doing something. Yeah, but there are gay people, they're 100%, and it's happening just behind closed doors. What about boyfriend and girlfriend sharing a room, though? You cannot leave boyfriend and girlfriend sharing a room. Even in the hotel where they serve beer in the lobby? <laughs> I guess you can. <laughs> in that one. If you're but a in foreigner, ge- but in general, yeah. yeah. I don't think they, ch- they check in the hotel, these fancy hotels there. By the way, the, the last 10 years, they build an area that is like New York on steroids. Like it's crazy expensive. The area I lived was very affordable, very everything cheap and fun. Twenty minutes from there, New York on steroids, like skyscrapers, skyscrapers, and skyscrapers and restaurants. And yeah, fucking Salt Bay. You know that guy? <laughs> <laughs> that crazy guy. malls and and very expensive. The sports bar and the beer is crazy expensive. It was like I don't know. My pint was like um, I don't know, maybe uh, eighteen bucks, twenty bucks, just for a glass of beer. And but uh, yeah, it's, this is where the people with money coming. So yeah, what do you see for Israel in the future? Oh, this is a hard question. Uh, I don't know what if you know what's going on now in Israel, but we have a very bad right-wing uh, fascist slash fascist new government, and I'm I saw it coming because I know what's going on. Because the right-wing crazy people having 10 kids where I still don't have one. So, you know, the numbers just, they win by the numbers. Well, but is that more of a religious thing in having 10 kids, right? Like, yeah, that's 10 rabbis. kids, it's more religious. Yeah, ten, yeah, if you have 10 kids, yeah. But today, many people just, regular people have four or five. Yeah. I don't know, it's some craziness. And unfortunately, for now, I don't, you know, now they, they're trying to change. They want to cancel the Supreme Court. Or to make it much weaker, and uh, for now, said said to say, but it's not going to a good place. So, do you think it's getting more conservative or more yeah. liberal? So, more what do you what do you see as um, you know tech advancing a lot in Israel year after year? What do you see for yeah. social media and I guess media and entertainment in general for Israel? As, as yeah, country? that's going to be a big fight. They're already saying that if they're going to do what they're planning to do now. Uh, people w- uh, will invest less and the uh, companies will go out and it will injure all this uh, industry. And I think, you know, already the, oh, most of the left wing of Israel doesn't live in Israel. He lives in Berlin, in Germany. And people just going, you know, trying to get foreign uh, passports. And it's just like the history. It's like, you know, you know the Masada, you've probably been in the... In the birthright <laughs> tour. So Hiking you Masada. So the real story of Masada, in the end, there was extremist Jews that killed less extremist Jews. There was, and it's 
seems to be again the same it's like, story. It seems like going backwards. I mean, it's yeah. like California. Nobody wants to live in California because the taxes are out of control. Yeah. You can't start a business and be successful in California, theoretically. That's what people say. So they want to go to Texas, go to Florida. Yeah. Even in New York, people want to go to Florida, want to go to Texas. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, government laws and then taxes and how people live on a day-to-day basis yeah, and, and, and add to that that now they're gonna they're trying to destroy the the, the status quo between uh, religious and non-religious, and the uh, gay uh, on the table with to you know it's gonna be even until now Tel Aviv is the most one of the most gay friendly places on earth. So I don't know. It's like you know it's like in New York and the rest of America and Tel Aviv and the rest of Israel, it's uh, gay friendly and. But they're talking about gay rights again, and now the abortion on the table. So it's you know, soon we're gonna st- start to sell weapons, and we're gonna be officially America. <laughs> Have that, is your family <laughs> still there in Israel? My family, like uh, yeah, most of it is still in, is still there. And do you see yourself ever living there full time again, or you're here full time now? I don't know if I'm gonna stay forever in New York. It's not an easy place uh, to live in. Very demanding financially. And sometimes the craziness is a little bit too much for me. And uh, I don't know, but I don't see myself going back to Israel soon. I don't see myself going back to Israel. And uh, yeah, for now, I'm, I'm totally here. And um, yeah, was, all the world now is in a bad, bad shape. So I don't know exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't find a good country. <laughs> Did you ever go on birthright? You're not allowed to, right? Oh, you know, I'm being actually born there. No, when you're in Israel, you cannot only if you're a soldier that have to sleep with you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Literally. We had um, a bodyguard and then like another soldier when we went on birthright. <laughs> they were great. Yeah. They're amazing. Uh, there is a, and they like, yeah, had guns and shit. They're pretty guns and shit. There is <laughs> there is some uh, <laughs> funny comedian in Israeli guy that has a whole bit about how he's the only uh, soldier ever and didn't have sex. Uh, during the those uh, oh in the Bedouin tents when he was the security guard yeah and uh, you know he they they took his uh, like uh, he'd been punished after oh, he came back he didn't smash he was a, a disgrace <laughs> for the army I hooked up with a girl in the Bedouin tents <laughs> the what the Bedouin tents so like when we ride the camels yes and then that night they put us up in a tent yes yeah. fucking I hooked up with yeah. a girl in that tent <laughs> dog. Fun. It was lit. It was hilarious. You have to. It's part of yeah. The, you have to. Sh- you know, yeah. shalom, freaking. And dude, riding cam. You ever ride camels? Uh, don't re- maybe once. It's not really my thing to ride camels. <laughs> I don't know. But oh, you yeah. know that uh, now they cut the the Edison family that was uh, basically paying for the birthright. He oh, passed I, away I, two I years ago. There, I thought that there were a number of families that just donated. Like somebody just donated like a billion dollars, and then that was good for a few no, years. No, so they used to. Give maybe there are few families that are doing it, yeah. but I know that they used to give 40, mi- 40 million and now they cut it to 10. So I don't know how many. Uh, well, knowing, knowing us, I'm sure somebody else will put in a few million yeah. to allow the, that know. beautiful trip. It was a crazy trip, man. It yeah, was really demanding, yeah. I will say. <laughs> it was like 11 or 10 nights and 11 days of just straight boom, boom. Yeah, Masada, yeah. freaking the cemetery, boom, no sleep. Go to the Holocaust Museum. Cry your eyes out. Go back. Hike. Oh, nice. We get to have shawarma at the mall. Okay, back on track. It was crazy, (laughs) dude. And then sleep in the hostel. This kid's snoring. Fuck, it smells. 
What am I doing here? You have to make a beat that fast that you said it like this. Shawarma. It's gonna be hilarious. And then looking back on it, man, I'm like 10 out of 10. It was a great trip. But then in it, I was like, this is like five out of ten. I have to really. I have to ask you: Did this change so something difficult. about your perspective? Bro. What do you think? You know, there is a there is a reason why they took you there for free. Okay, it, I don't even think it was propaganda. Okay, to be honest, I just think it was like. I don't want to sound corny in saying it, but it was like a soul searching type of trip, you know, doing all those activities, seeing where what would have potentially what my life would have been like if I didn't grow up in New York City. I grew up at a different time okay. in a different country. Um, had, like, dude, there were 18 year olds on Masada when I was hiking up uh, at 530 in the morning. Like they were making sure that we didn't, you know, get killed or whatever. And I'm like a 22 year old kid. These kids are 18 years old and they're in the army yeah. and that's their duty to their country. Like, bro, I was freaking eating Cheetos on the couch with my <laughs> friend when I was that age. So it changed something your perspective? Totally. Really? Totally. And I think uh, seeing, uh, just seeing what it's like to be a Jew in s- some parts of the world, it's not great. And there's, Israel, it's fresh. And like a ton of nice people, great food. I met a lot of, uh, met a lot, had closer relationships with the people on the trip. Yeah. I like fell in love with a girl for 10 days, dude. Only for 10 days? I mean, it lasted like a month after. Oh, okay. But seriously, like so connected with this girl. And I think it was birthright. It was just like bringing people closer to each other. And that's what they this want. Is what, of course, they want you to maybe to come back after to live there or to marry a Jewish lady. Exactly. I think that's the, number one. Because I think they pay for the wedding if you, <laughs> if you uh, come back. No, come on. I'm not kidding. I think really? they might pay for the wedding. <laughs> Like up to like 40,000 or something. <laughs> Should be fresh. If you met on birthright. And really? Then got I married. didn't know that. Yeah. So you had to get it's married. It's a good gig. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. But it's too young. It's, uh, now they opened it for older, but you're know, 22, you're not going to get married. It's not yeah, like right, right, right. the 70s here. Yeah, I, did, I think they did extend the age a little bit to like 25. Because yeah, initially no, it was even just... More. Even oh, more. Oh, yeah? In the 30s, yeah. Because I remember initially it was just like 18 to 22 or something. No, like no, that. but I, I know that I know someone that went in his 30s. I think they extended until like 35. And then, so it's like age 30 to 35, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bet. I mean, that's a better way to do it. Ultimately, in ter- if you want people yeah. to get married, absolutely. And they're doing all kind of different stuff. There is all kind of organization. There is also a, like single Jewish trips for all. I might need to get involved yeah. in that. I always get the text from Birthright still. <laughs> they're like, "Do you want to go again?" I'm like, "Yo, chill. I am busy." Not really. You can go again. I, I don't know. Maybe they messed up because I have a couple different emails. So they're like, "Oh, oh okay. this guy hasn't gone yet." My other alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't gone to Israel yet. No, but when I went yeah. with my family uh, and I was 15, I had definitely less of a meaningful experience than when I went on birthright. It's like when I was with my family, I was just like not paying attention to stuff. I was like, oh, fuck, it's hot out. All right, can we of go to the hotel? Can we go to the pool? No? Yeah. You know, everybody paid for you everything. You yeah. just was complaining. That was your yeah, shtick. Did you uh, grow up like playing sports yeah. In high school. What did that look like? Let's talk I, about that. I played basketball since I was um, eight years old until I oh, was don't. seventeen. How uh, how tall are you? And can you tell us an American height? Yeah, I don't know nothing <laughs> about American numbers. Only <laughs> yeah, I know only pounds because I used to see with my father in the Lebanon channel. Yeah. the WWF with the Vaneric uh, brothers. You know, it's the Vaneric brothers. Okay, the now, ra- wrestling. Yeah, now they're filming a movie about the Vaneric uh, brothers. So I fall in love in that. And this is, until today, I know how to calculate pounds. But all the other things, until today, I don't know. But my height is 6.3. 
Six foot three. That's how six you say foot it. three. And you know the Fahrenheit. You said 120 degrees in uh, I Qatar. said because I want you to understand, but I know that it says like, uh, how much it said? Like 35, 38. <laughs> I 30. don't know, dude. I thought we were I talking about exactly. Fahrenheit. Yeah, because I want you to understand. I know yeah, that you well, are dummy that yeah, they're talking with these numbers. How cold does it get in Israel? Israel, uh, it's getting to the, f- I don't know, f- the f- uh, depends where. In Jerusalem, it can be 32 also. Is it kind of the same as here or no? No way. No really? Way. In Tel Aviv, a cold day, it's 50. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no. In Jerusalem, it can, it can be very cold. You want to talk about your basketball career before uh, I cut yeah. you off? Yeah, absolutely. Why are you going to cut? Ah, yeah. Now nah, I understand. Uh, basketball <laughs> career. I played in my hometown from the childhood. Uh, uh, when I was eight years old, we were a children team until I made the the first team. But I played with what them. Do you, what do you mean you made the first team? Like, you know, like I was eight years old <laughs> and I played like for nine years and I've yeah. been through all. You know, it's not like in America that you play in your. And you sp- go to college. Well, you go to high school, you play in high school. And no, then you, if you, you have a team, like it's like, it's called, uh, we have Maccabi. Maccabi games, bro. Maccabi games. So I, I was Maccabi. Maccabi Petah Tikva. You've been in the Maccabi You've been Maccabi in, the, games. in the Maccabi games? But I didn't go to Israel for it. Ah, okay. So I so so you play for it. You have a team that you're going afternoon to play. You're not playing school. During school, they have also when you're in high school, there are teams, some of them even famous, that are have championships and they even go to the uh, you know European Championship, World Championship. But I played in a, in like a, a club. So this club have, you know, you have a team, you have a league when you're eight years old, you have a, a league when you're 10, 12, so 14. So how, how good were you compared to everyone else in Israel, though? Were you uh, like the top compared dog? To I, was, I was, most of the years I was, in, I, I was opening five. I was a very good uh, defender. I have a few trophies of the defender of the year. And <laughs> you got to send that to us. Hopefully, if you do send it to us, we're popping it up here. If we're not, Eric Angel in the future and everyone else watching, you'll know he didn't send me this picture. I will ask my mother to take a picture. My mother is in <laughs> okay, Egypt now. She's when, in, she get back, when she gets back to Israel. She's going back in 10 days. I will tell you, know, she's now in Egypt sending oh. you pictures all day long. And so I can send you a picture of the trophy of the defender of the year. Yeah, but bro, this is going to be out before 10 days, bro. We turn it yeah. around quick. So uh, we you put know, it, maybe post-production. We put it on a comment or something. We put it on a comment, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so the but, but so when I you, wasn't that good, I was okay. But like the best players in Israel at basketball, do they stay and play Israeli pro basketball, or do they want to go to college basketball in uh, the United States? We used we or used to Europe. have few. When I was a teenager, we you can you can uh, university became very famous in Israel because we had f- f- few very good uh, Israeli Where? players. Yukon in uh, Connecticut, Doron Sheffer. With the Ray Allen, he was playing with Ray Allen. Well, why you were from, you're from there? You studied there? Well, I went to UConn. I played tennis at UConn. Okay, yeah, dude. Of course, so I you don't know remember that. Yeah. So we had the the most famous guy that we had Nadav Hanfeld that did a, a, a very big mistake and came back to pray in Israel because even the Celtics were interested in him, but he didn't stay with Jim Calhoun. You remember Jim Calhoun? Yeah, dude, he was coach when I was there, when exactly. we won the national championship in 2010, 2014. Times. Yeah. Do you know that I one of the most funniest things ever happened to me? Bro, that's fresh. One of the most funniest things happened to me in my life that I, uh, I'm i here in America. One day I'm getting a phone call. Coach Calhoun is looking for you. I said, Coach Calhoun? And I spoke with him a year before. And I said, Coach Calhoun is working for me? Why? What he wants from me? 
And then they put him on the line and he said, uh, how, uh, how are you? Uh, I really enjoyed the, the article. It was great. Listen, I am coming back from retirement. I'm starting to, uh, I'm building uh, like a small basketball team. I think maybe third division. He just did it yeah, for fun. Yeah, division three, yeah. In some Catholic, uh, I don't know, in some, some college. Some yeah, it's like a college. smaller school, yes. Yeah, and uh, if you, maybe you can connect me to a good Israeli talent. Maybe we can bring, I cannot give them scholarship because it's, you know, it's division third, three. Third, yeah, 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 exactly. But maybe you know, and you can, so, so you know, Coach When Kalbun, was this? It was a few years ago when he came back. So did you give him any recruits or not yet? You know, I was in touch with him. I, I spoke with a few people. I gave him a few names. I don't know what happened with it, but I was so excited. That's dope, dude. Yeah, he was a yeah. legend at UConn, obviously. He was the coach for yeah. like 30 years, the head basketball coach. And so when he was there in 2004, he won the national championships for the men. And then in 2010, when I was a freshman in college at UConn, which is what Eric is talking about, we won the natty then, okay? And then also 2014, <laughs> side note, but Jim yeah. Calhoun wasn't there. Yeah, dude, UConn basketball, UConn sports, that was the whole reason I wanted to go play tennis there because all the other sports were so good. Yeah, Tennis team, I mean, we didn't really have much money. We didn't bring in any money, not like ticket sales or anything. So just going to a school with uh, notoriety and like having such a good sports program, that's why I wanted to go. So the years that Ray Allen was there, yeah, was nasty. With him was a, a Israeli guy called the Doron Sheffer. He's, oh, no, I think I know that. Name. He was a, then the first Israeli ever in the draft, number thirty-six, second round. But since then we had Omri Kaspi, first round with with Sacramento, did ten years in the league, and now we have Danny Avdia, Washington, the Wizards. That his third year is a very. He's only 20, 20, 21, 22 years old. He's a very very talented kid. So. Uh, his father is Serbian, so thanks to him, he just his mother is an Israeli, but both of them live in Israel. So thanks to that, we have him now in the national team, and he's already, you know, made at least twenty million dollars a contract in the Wizards. And uh, yeah, so we have, you know, sports. We're not that big in sports as you can imagine in yeah. Israel. Basketball always was our number one. But uh, yeah, things are getting better now. We have like at athletics, and we did four, we won in four gold medals in Tokyo. I've been there too, by the way, for 21 days, and did comedy in Tokyo. It was amazing. Let's go. First time ever that uh, probably Americans that listen to it's four gold medals, it's ridiculous, but it was like the we, we had only one before, so we won four gold medals in one tournament. For us, it was big in gymnastic, athletic, and then. Do you have any articles coming out that Every you're working week. on that you could talk about? This morning I spoke with the lady Leko Willingham. She's a, she's a, now she's a basketball coach, and she won two WNBA tro uh, trophies with Phoenix and Seattle, and she became the first uh, foreign lady that became a coach in Israel. So she's there and now, and I spoke with her. I had a Zoom with her today and I interviewed her. What do you like better though? Stand-up comedy or uh, journalism? Stand-up Covering comedy. pieces. Stand so, I, um, so I was a journalism major at UConn. Okay. And I had my own UCTV show. Okay. I'd go on, I'd wear like a little suit and interview people. Same <laughs> fucking shit I'm doing right now, though. <laughs> nothing like, changed. Nothing. nothing. And then like I would go around in college, I'd have the mic. It's the same shit, dude. Nothing changed. Yeah, but being a journalism major, I think it, it also allows you, like you have to you have to be on the cuff. You got to be on the fly. You got to manage everything, get the article in on time. It's like, it's very good to organize yeah. your thoughts. And it's like the same shit in comedy. If you're good at organizing your thoughts, yeah. you can I'm spew doing it 50 and being to funny. 60 
uh, stories a year. It's a Love lot, that, and I need to That's find. I'm, I'm looking for the stories. I'm producing them. I find the people. I'm and where to, where can we find those on your? It's Instagram? in Hebrew, and it's a printed magazine uh, in Israel. You can find it online, but it's in Hebrew. But you know, you ask me about comedy or stand up. I'm definitely all in obsessively on stand up these days. The thing I like the most about journalism. Other than that, it opened to me to the world. You know, I've been in Rio, I've been in Tokyo, Olympics, it's amazing, Moscow, World Cup, now Qatar, and many other small places, events. What I like the most in journalism is this, to talk with the person and to learn about him. And it's much more, because it's much more, I'm not uh, interested only about, he scored 12.4 points, took three, you know, sent, uh, passed three assists. It's nice, but... The story behind, you know, this lady today, the story that she had since she was born, her father raised her, and she had something uh, with her family, something, all kind of bad things that happened to her. So it's the documentary behind. Uh, this is what I like in journalism, to talk with the person and to get to know him better. And really getting to know someone. Did you ever yeah. cover anyone who was in the Holocaust, survived the Holocaust? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a few of them during the years. Anyone that like really hit you emotionally and you were like, wow, I did not think it was that bad. Obviously, you knew it was that bad. But. No, I knew it was that bad. But once we had a basketball uh, a coach, he was a very big player and that became a basketball, very, very famous uh, basketball uh, coach that also, he, he came back to Germany during the 80s and he was the coach of their national team in Israel. It was like really, really hard thing in the 80s to do. His sister didn't speak with him for 20 years. Now it's different. People are a little bit more relaxed about those things. And every uh, interview, I'm, 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 I'm finishing with the happiness question. I'm, as, I'm saying there is a happiness ladder between one to five. Uh, and where are you? To, one is the most not happy at all. Yeah. The five is, the, where are you today? Now, in this ladder? It's a stupid question, but it's opening for amazing answers. And I'm sitting there with this guy. He died a few months later. He wasn't in a good shape. He was pretty old already. And he told me, listen, you know, when I was 14 years old, and no, people always asking me why after big games, when we won the champion, Europe championship, he did big things for Israel and for the national team. That's second, Yeah, second place in Europe, 1979, with the national team against the Russians. It was big, something big. We never did it ever again. People ask me, why you never see me in the pictures celebrating? Because I was always outside, like smoking a cigarette, you know, because, and I couldn't really have joy in those moments because when I was 14 years old in Auschwitz, you know what I used to do? I used to move the, bed, the, the dead bodies you know, in a, in a truck to, to some, I don't know, some grave. As a Jew or as a, as a Jew. German having been No, as up. a kid, as a Jew that is there. So he's telling me that, and I'm like, uh, I'm done. I'm like, oh man, I don't know what to do with myself. I, was, I froze. So he said, you know, I never really, with all my achievements and all, it's nothing was really that joyful for me. So I think that was the... the the strongest answer I ever got in my interviews. Did he give you a number on how many people? He well, no, no, no. I mean, you said one to five. I don't remember even. I don't you remember. Don't even I remember. think I didn't even number, ask you the number. No numbers. He can give me the but number he, on his hand. He didn't, he didn't have like a moment in life where he could really point to that. He just he harped on him being fourteen years old and. 
carrying those bodies. Like that was the last thing that he could tell people. That was the last. Or like he was just letting everything out because he wanted people to know or wanted you to know. Yeah, I just talked to him about happiness, and this is where he took him. That he was never be, could be really happy in his life, and this man really he did well in his career. He was an amazing basketball. His name is Ralph Klein. There was a film after him also. There is a Hollywood film. I don't think he did so well the film, but somebody filmed a movie after his. his we'll we'll pop it up story. right here. Yeah, um, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure it was a great Ralph film. Ralph Klein. Yeah, yeah, it was. So yeah, and yeah, and I spoke with uh, with few Holocaust survivors. We also have a whole older friend. She's now in her 80s. She was a child in the camp in Sweden, and uh, you know it's. It's also we are the last generation that's going to know these people. Like these people are, uh, it's unbelievable. And so, yeah. Now you depressed us all here. We had to <laughs> talk about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What's been your best moment as a comic and as a journalist before we get out of here? Um, as a comic, um, you know, it's a comic less producer i have uh, this project comedy for peace that i established now i'm almost celebrating four years that i'm traveling with this project build it all by myself selling tours buying flights hotel rooms taking comedians when i started to do it now i'm thinking about it, it was insane i just arrived here i didn't know what is comedy even and i just started to do it and i think the first uh, there's few amazing moments in with this project but the first one like march 18 2019 you know it was 250 people came to see the show bought tickets to the show i did it with the jewish federation so that was unbelievable that, and that was your first one that was the first yeah, one. yeah dude I, I like i had a similar first first experience like yeah that. and thank well, god for those like first ones where everybody comes right otherwise you'd be like fuck is this not working <laughs> should i not do it 250 people yeah, came great. that was i couldn't believe it look i thought it's like the the bar mitzvah i never had <laughs> as a comedian i have a many also many bad uh, experiences but i think the biggest one was last uh, year for the first time that uh, I was invited to do a spot in the Laugh Factory in LA, oh. and I arrived there, and then I saw the line of people outside, and me and my wife just said, "Oh my God, what's gonna, what's gonna happen?" And I was terrified, man. I never performed in LA before. I didn't know if they're gonna accept me. I was so excited and so afraid that we didn't even film that. I have, I have only audio. And then the, the host that invited me, that his, his show, his Tehran, came and he said, you first. And I said, what am I first? Are you? Boom, went to the toilet again. And, <laughs> uh, but he started, it was packed room. It was sold out show. But he started with 20 minutes, very strong 20 minutes. The place was very warm. But I went on stage and I said, hi, I'm Eric. I'm an Israeli. I didn't even say the falafel, that I'm speaking falafel. Everybody was just, heard that I'm an Israeli and clapped. I said, I think it's going to be okay. And I did like 10 minutes and it was, wow. It was, I just, the, the, the hard thing is the day after you say, I want to go back there. How the hell I'm going to go back there? Since then I performed there th and twice again, but still, it's a hustle. It's a hustle to, to, you know, to build yourself and to, to come back and to get the good spots in the good places. But that was like, what the hell is going on? And yeah. as a journalist. 
as a journalist, the best moment, wow, you know, it's 15 years already yeah. that I'm doing it. The best moment. It's hard for me to say. Uh, I can say to see in my own eyes an Israeli winning a gold medal in artist and uh, gymnastic in gymnastic one of the core like uh, it's it's a no it's not like we're very good in judo and taekwondo and things that nobody even go to the press conference after <laughs> but suddenly to do it in on the on the big stage you know I, uh, and i'm always said i'm not uh, into anthems and nationality and nationalism and but then when it started and they gave him, you know, and they see the flag and the, the, anth- the Israeli anthem and he's standing there, this sweet kid, and he's getting the medal and, you know, the tears just come. What year was that? Last year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Right. My bad. Yeah, it was now in uh, 2021 and uh, two years already almost. And so that was an amazing uh, to experience that as a journalist. Well, what about covering something? Covering. Well, I, yeah, I know covering that, but I mean like a personal yeah. kind of story. I did big thing in Israel, not connected to sports. Uh, a few years ago, I exposed the binary options industry in Israel. I don't know if you know what is it. It's some kind of a fake gambling. It's like uh, like people selling you like when you invest, but basically it's it's gambling, and they basically uh, just taking the money from you. It's the it's a system that if you are earning, you're getting ninety percent more. But if you're losing, you lose everything. So it was a very cruel industry that I discovered in Israel. And they didn't only screw Israelis. There was tons of companies that were sitting in Israel and calling America and calling Arab countries and calling all over the world and find all kinds of suckers that want to earn fast money and took from them sometimes hundreds and millions of dollars. Yeah. And I exposed, I went inside those uh, few companies and I recorded them and I filmed them. And I was the first one in Israel that exposed them. Then it started to, it made a lot of noise. I've been in television and then people start to write about it and it came to the television. After a year, they closed, after a few months, they closed the Israeli thing. In Israel, you couldn't do it anymore. And after a year, they closed it from Israel outside. So as a journalist, I think this is my best, biggest achievement. Saving people hundreds of millions oh of dollars. Oh my God. Maybe yeah. even billions. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, but nobody is really, maybe a few people remember that in Israel today. It's not that I got a lot of, because I was the first one and then the television came and then everybody showed up. But I don't care. I, it's okay. I still I feel very proud about it. Bro, this has been an amazing yeah. episode. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, <laughs> bro. Before we get out of here, yeah. we're popping up your Instagram. Tell us what you have exciting coming up in the next month or two. Okay, thank you for that. So, yeah, you can find me everywhere <coughs> at Eric Angel Comedy. Eric with K, because my English, you know, it's uh, superb. <laughs> and uh, I need you. I need you guys. I, I, you can, uh, I have a lot of... Uh, watch also my, my TikToks. I have more than 2 million views by Let's now. I'm go. doing sketches. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm all over YouTube, uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram. Of course, I need you guys. So uh, uh, join us. And uh, big things that coming up. I'm, I'm performing regularly in the city if you're in New York. So just check this Instagram and see where I am. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to traveling with Comedy for Peace soon. We have, uh, we're going to Siena College. We're going to Colorado, Detroit, Love that, Vermont. 
uh, hopefully uh, Boston and, and another West Coast tour, number four. And, uh, you know, I'm speaking falafel and I hope to see you uh, somewhere around. Yeah, follow the guy seriously, yeah. Eric Angel. What a great dude. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for yeah. doing the Ted Jones Comedy Show. And we'll Thank freaking you. talk soon. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Peace. <laughs>